And so the combination of picking up on these subtleties and then just having these big hearts and naturally being able to empathize more easily can then result in this kind of empathy overload thing that I work a lot with HSPs on. And it's that feeling of being almost a human sponge, like, oh my gosh, if I don't have boundaries, I just walk through the world being aware of what everybody's feeling. And for some people, it's even like I soak it up and then I feel it as my own. And so that empathy can become really tricky and overwhelming in and of itself and very painful. Do you love your business? You should, right? Well, sometimes we just don't. It's my hope that this, the My Daily Business Coach podcast, helps you regain a little of that lost love by providing tips and tactics, tools, insights, inspiration, all the good stuff to help you actually enjoy running your business. In addition to actionable tips and tactics that you'll be able to execute immediately, you'll also hear from creative small business owners around the world who've been able to sidestep the hustle and build a business that merges their passion with their purpose and provides a profit. I'm your host, Fiona Kalaki, founder of My Daily Business Coach. Let's get going. Hello, and welcome to episode 170 of the My Daily Business Coach podcast. My name is Fiona Kalaki. I'm the host of this podcast. I'm also an award-winning book author, speaker, business coach, and I run a group coaching program. And I just want to remind you that if you've been listening to this and you've heard me talk about my group coaching program, we do have the doors open right now for that. And you can find that over at mydailybusinesscoach.com forward slash group coaching. If you'd like to be part of that, do hurry as we'll be closing the doors to this round very soon. So again, you can find all the information over at mydailybusinesscoach.com forward slash group coaching. All right, today you are listening to a small business interview. So that is where I find the most just creative and curious and wonderful people from around the world and talk to them about their business. Now, before I get stuck into that, it's a really good one. So you'll definitely want to stick around. I just want to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians on the beautiful, beautiful land on which I live and record this podcast, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. And I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. I also pay my respects to any other elders past, present and emerging that may be listening from other Indigenous and Aboriginal groups around the world. So thank you for joining me and you are so very welcome. All right, so let's get on with today's small business interview. All right, so if you are a regular around here, you may know that this time last year, I can't believe it was over a year, like a year ago now, geez Louise, I joined a mastermind program in the US run by Melissa Griffin. And within that, I actually met today's guest. So today I am talking to Brooke Nielsen and Brooke is a licensed marriage and family therapist with more than a decade of experience and her expertise. I mean, she has a lot of expertise, but (laughs) she really, really is an expert in highly sensitive people. So HSPs, as well as trauma and relationships. And the reason that I asked Brooke onto the podcast is 
Throughout the mastermind, I heard more about how she works with people, why she does the work that she does. And I was really intrigued by this idea of highly sensitive people or HSPs. I'd never heard of it before I interacted with Brooke, but I was really, like really drawn to it because my entire life I have been cold sensitive. And sometimes I have to say that was not in a particularly positive way. And I have also always in every single review basically that I've ever had at work, I, and even at school and high school, I used to always see the word empathetic come up. So very empathetic. And sometimes to the point where I really can literally feel like I'm putting myself in other people's shoes. Like to the point where if something horrible has happened to them, I will feel so devastated physically as well. And I used to always just think, well, everyone's like that. I just sort of maybe show it a bit more. And as I've grown and as I've gotten older, I've realized, no, not everyone is like that. And I also used to think, well, this is a great trait to have because in marketing, you absolutely have to be empathetic. You have to really understand your audience and really think like they think and see their frustrations and pain points and with brand as well. So found it just fascinating. And after I heard Brooke talking about this, I went and did some investigation and kind of was like, wow. And I definitely have to say that I still have a little bit of a struggle towards even saying, oh my goodness, I might be a HSP. So today's episode was really interesting because Brooke, who is obviously a specialist in this area and also a highly sensitive person herself, asks me certain questions around, you know, what I identify with, what I don't. And it's very personal. (laughs) But yeah, I guess, I guess I am a HSP in a, in sort of the more milder part. Brooke in this interview goes into, oh, so, so much good stuff. I literally could have had like a three hour interview, but yeah, she goes into so many questions and reasons to, to look into this and, and why it's also a good thing. Sometimes you can, you know, definitely if you're like me and you've grown up with certain people sometimes saying, oh, you're so sensitive or don't be so sensitive. It can be seen as almost a negative trait. And I love that in today's interview, Brooke really turns the tables on that. She flips the script and is like, no, there is so much amazing stuff that HSPs bring into the world and into business particularly. So I know lots of you listening will really, really resonate with everything that we talk about today. And in addition to talking about HSPs and what it is and why Brooke got into that in her line of work, we also talk about Brooke's own business. So she runs a business called Intuitive Warrior by Brooke Nielsen, and you can find that at intuitivewarriorway.com. And in that, you know, Brooke talks about that she's a therapist, she's a writer, she's a speaker, and really she's teaching people how to completely just accept and embrace who they are with just unconditional acceptance. So in this, we also talk about Brooke's business, what she offers, which is everything from one-on-one support through to, you know, a six-month group program and a whole bunch of really great freebies as well, I have to say. So we talk about, you know, how has she built that and going from being a, you know, licensed therapist through to running your own course and running group coaching programs and, and what sort of things that she's had to learn as well along the way about business. So this is one of my absolute favorite conversations I've had on this podcast. I haven't listened back to it yet and I'll listen to it when it comes out, but I was a little (laughs) nervous, I should say, about how personal it gets, but I just so, so welcome Brooke and her just really encouraging way to 
bring forth your own unconditional acceptance of who you are as a person, as a small business owner, and as all the other titles that we carry in life. So it's my absolute pleasure to have Brooke on the podcast. And I know that you'll enjoy this really interesting interview about HSPs and what they are and how they're amazing. So thank you so much again, Brooke, for joining me. And here it is, my interview with Brooke Nielsen, founder of Intuitive Warrior. Hello, Brooke. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And thank you so much. Yes, I'm so excited. You can hear it in my voice. So thank you for (laughs) making time for this chat. I know especially when you are, we were just talking about 9,000 miles away on the other side of the globe. Oh my gosh. I know it's just modern technology is unreal, but thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you. Oh, likewise. I'm just, yep. We'll get into all the good stuff in a second. All the good stuff. Yeah. But just because of the time that we're in the pandemic, this relentless sort of situation. I'm just wondering like how you're feeling at the moment and and how did COVID, how has, how is COVID impacting your life and your business? Yeah, great question. I think like so many people, I'm definitely just even this week hitting a place of fatigue, but it's kind of like emotional fatigue. You know, it just, it keeps dragging on and it kind of feels like, oh, okay, maybe there's a bit of light at the end of the tunnel and then there's a you know a new variant or it's just a lot. So I think like everybody I'm kind of having to work with myself emotionally to you know okay keep going or what do I need to do self-care wise to feel okay. Business wise it's really really interesting. So I was launching a live 6 month group program And I launched the week that COVID was really blossoming in the States. (laughs) So it was the wildest thing I think I've ever experienced. I remember saying to someone, maybe my husband, like, okay, should I pull the plug? Like, what what do I do with this? And I ended up kind of my gut was like, no, people need support right now. And so I went forward with my launch and I actually had probably way more people sign up than I would have otherwise, because I think I was kind of like a, a buoy or a safe Harbor for some folks during such a hard time. So at the start of COVID, it actually was like, kind of worked in my favor. And then during It's definitely been good for therapy and coaching because so many people need support right now more than more than normal. And then at the same time, you know, as COVID has continued and dragged on other services that I offer, I think people are so fatigued to go back to that word. And there's so many people offering courses and, you know, helpful things. I think a lot of people are overloaded and checking out. So I've noticed that the way I speak about the support that I have to offer has needed to change to meet people where they're at now. Oh, I could completely imagine. I mean, a good friend of mine is a business coach for psychologists and just mm. you forget that, you know, people in, in your area that are like healers and, and, you know, working with people through these really challenging times in the best of times then have to like step that right up during a pandemic that you also are dealing with as well. It's not like you're immune to that somehow. Yes. Yes. That has been really, really trippy. And I'm sure it's like, 
so many people, you know, people in the medical field or teachers or parents, it's like so many of us have had to really step up during the time that we're already managing our own emotions and responses to a crisis. So yeah, it's been pretty wild. Oh, well, thank you for the work that you do. I'm sure you're going to help so many people today, but also I just know that you're helping so many other people and, and, you know, no doubt help them get through this. Thank you. I hope so. Yes. And so in the intro just now, I discussed kind of how we met and we met through Melissa Griffin's mastermind. And I was just saying to you before we hit record that I always just felt like you came on and you're always so calm and grounded and <laughs> just like had such a wonderful presence, whether you felt like that or not, that I felt like that's how you came across. And so I'd love for people who don't know your work to discuss, you know, what you what you do, what is your business and, and why you started it and how you kind of help people. I know you've touched on that just now, but yeah, could you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, of course. And I'll, I'll throw in some business elements because, because of the nature <laughs> of your podcast. So I am a licensed psychotherapist. And does that, is that a title you guys have in Australia? Yeah. I mean, I think people see psychotherapists and okay. I guess overall it's a psychotherapy, but we would normally yeah. say a therapist and then psychologist yeah. and then psychiatrist really. Okay. I do normally say therapist. Sometimes I just clarify with psychotherapist. So I'm a therapist and I've been doing this for quite a while. Went to school in 06. And, you know, this was just something that really fit with my personality. I I didn't always know I wanted to be a therapist, but as I started learning more about psychology and university, I was like, ooh, I am so, so, so interested in this. And so I became a therapist and I, and I was always drawn to private practice from the time I went to school. I knew I want to work for myself. And I never really considered at that time that that is entrepreneurship. You're owning your own business. I just thought something about it sounded great. So in 2013, I started, I got licensed, started my private practice. And pretty soon after that, I identified that I really was passionate about supporting this population of people that I'm a part of called highly sensitive people. And I know we'll talk more about that in a moment, what that is. And then I also got in over time to supporting people with trauma healing. And I can be happy to identify more of like even what that word trauma means to me that gets thrown around so much. So I started building my practice in 2013. And by 2015, I had a full practice And I had kind of reached my goals that I had started moving towards, you know, almost a decade earlier. And while I loved doing therapy, I felt so limited in how many people I could support. You know, I can see X number of people a week and, and then that's it. And I just felt so passionate about supporting highly sensitive people. And it is such an under-supported group that in a, in around 2016, I, I started exploring the online world and I ended up starting a, a second business. So I should say my therapy business is called the Therapeutic Center for Highly Sensitive People. And so I started an online business called Intuitive Warrior, where I can offer coaching globally, as well as different support programs and communities to highly sensitive people. So it was this jumping off point for me into a much broader audience, but also into this world of 
online business that I knew nothing about. So for the last five years, I've just been learning and growing and adding you know, coaches and support staff to my team and, and growing the ways we can support people. Oh my goodness. What a journey that you've yeah. <laughs> And I'm really excited to get stuck into what highly sensitive people, person, do you say highly sensitive person? People. Mm-hmm. I say both highly sensitive people or highly sensitive person. Yeah. And so you, you mentioned that and, and also you mentioned trauma and helping people yeah. trauma. And I mean, what you do is just such meaningful work, but I would love if you, if you have the time to discuss what is trauma, because you said, mm-hmm. you know, so many people are throwing that word about and then yeah, what is a highly sensitive person? Because I had never heard of that term until I met you and I listened to a podcast that you were on and I just was like, oh my goodness. Ping, ping, ping. Like, <laughs> oh, really? I didn't realize you identified. Oh. Yeah, well, I don't, I, I want to actually go back and read a book. I know you mentioned a book on a podcast, but yeah, I would love to get your knowledge around these two words and, and what they mean. Okay. So I'll start with trauma. I've noticed that's when people started using since the pandemic because so many people are being, are experiencing trauma because of COVID. So the definition I really love of trauma, because so many people hear this word and go, Oh, I didn't have trauma that, you know, that sounds so intense. That's that thing that sexual assault survivors or, or veterans go through my, my stuff wasn't trauma, but The definition I like of trauma is anything that is too overwhelming for our nervous system to process in the moment. So I'm going to say that one more time. Trauma is anything that is too overwhelming for our nervous system to process in the moment. So if I experience something that is utterly overwhelming to me, even if it might not have been overwhelming to you, but it was to me and my nervous system didn't know what to do with that. And it kind of froze or got stuck. That's trauma. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And and thank you so much for, for clarifying that because you do tend to think trauma has to be, you know, a major road accident where you're never going to walk again or, you know, something else huge like that. Like what we see in, you know, movies, I guess. Exactly. When trauma could be, you know, feeling continually left out of a friend group as kids or, you know, walking on eggshells around a parent or that time where, I don't know, a teacher humiliated me in class and I felt utterly frozen and powerless, you know, that, yeah, it's these, it's this interesting, broader definition of trauma. I really love that because I feel like it gives people permission to dive into how they can heal it then rather than be like, oh, that's right. Just get over myself. Oh my gosh. That's right. It, right. It's not like, oh, let's broaden this definition so that we can all feel like victims. It's like, no, let's broaden this definition so that we can understand how we've been impacted and heal. So tied to that, these trauma and highly sensitive people kind of go together because, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me back up. So what is a highly sensitive person? Now, the term sensitive, pretty much most people, at least in Western cultures, are going to have a negative connotation with that word. You know, it's been used interchangeable with fragile, with weak. And 
most of us highly sensitive people, many of us were called, oh, you're too sensitive. Stop being so sensitive. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> yes. I'm like laughing here going, yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> and, you know, for for some people, maybe you can just brush that off and go, oh, whatever. But for most of us sensitive people, that can be very painful and this feeling of like, wow, something must be really wrong with me, which is absolutely what I thought. I thought something was very uniquely wrong with me. And why do I have to think so much and feel so much? And when I was, I think I was around 18, my mom got me this book called, I believe, The Highly Sensitive Person by Elaine Aaron. And I read it and it was like, yeah, like you said, just just mind-blowing and started connecting all the dots. And this term highly sensitive person is not a descriptor like, oh, you're so sensitive. It's actually describing a genetic trait that we are born with that makes our nervous systems more sensitive, more finely tuned than others. And 15 to 20% of the population are born with this trait. So what I want anybody who's new or is hearing this for the first time to know What this is saying, and there's actually a scientific term for this, it's called sensory processing sensitivity, and it's not disorder, sensory processing disorder, sensory processing sensitivity. It's been studied in, I want to say about like 500 plus studies at this point. So it's very valid. Yeah. Yeah. And it's this thing that deeply impacts how we experience the world. And so I wanted to give you that kind of basic descriptor. I can go more into the details in a moment. Yeah, that completely makes sense. And uh, I mean, I remember when I heard you first talking about it, I was like, oh my gosh, this, (laughs) yes, definitely parts to myself. And then so many people I know as well. And you're right, like, being sensitive and being, it, it is seen as a, as a insult almost. It's, yes. Oh, calm down. Stop being so sensitive. Like, you know, as if it's a bad thing. And I completely, I was told it so many times when there I was growing you. up all the time. Oh, Fiona, you're so sensitive. And yeah. So yes, thank you. And I would love, yeah, love you to go into it deeper or, or what you were just about to go into. Our intro. Yeah. Yeah. And before I do, if you're comfortable with it, I'd be curious, how did that feel to you when someone would say like that, like, oh, buck up or come on, get thicker skin or you're fine or you're too sensitive. Yeah. I think it felt really like you're being overly dramatic or Mm -hmm. your feelings are not warranted and you should just, yeah, you should just suck it up and like stop being, sort of like stop being a baby kind of. Yeah. And stop being you know, almost like, oh God, we have to walk on eggshells in case we offend her in some way. Yeah. I completely relate with that. It, for me, it created a lot of shame and this feeling that like something was inherently wrong with me. Like, why couldn't I just be quote unquote normal? So here are, if you and your listeners want to figure out if you are highly sensitive, well, first of all, there's a page, you can actually take a self-test and I'll get you the link for that. So you can put it on your show notes. Thank you. But there's this acronym that describes the four qualities of being an HSP. So highly sensitive person, HSP. And it is this acronym does D O E S. So I'll list each one and you, you and your listeners can kind of tick through like, okay, is this true for me or not? 
So the D in does stands for depth of processing. So HSPs think deeply and we feel deeply. And, you know, things that happen to us, things that we see, we have all kinds of mental processing that goes on about it. So if anything from like a car honks right next to me, I might have kind of a bigger reaction than say a non-HSP. Or if somebody says something like, oh, you need to just get over it. I might have more thoughts about that or more feelings about that than a non-HSP. So deeper processing. Okay. Okay. And then can I ask you with each one if they're yes or no for you? (laughs) (laughs) That is 100% yes. And also I was going to ask you, is this the same as I've always, my whole life, like say if I'm consulting and I went into an office, which doesn't happen in a pandemic, but I would be really concentrating on what I'm doing. And if someone comes up and is like, Hey, and puts like, you know, a cup of tea or something. And I'm like, and like, I will always jump. And people are always like, oh my goodness, you're so jumpy. And I'm like, (laughs) again, it was like, oh God, have I got something wrong with me? Am I a nervous person? And I don't, I wouldn't say that I'm a nervous person. I don't suffer from like anxiety or, you know, but I, I do jump and I definitely, like if my son scares me, it'll take me, which is his like favorite thing to do. Like when I'm like jump in front of me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, and it will take me a minute for my body to calm down. So yes. 100% when you said the honking. And also just I used to always think, oh, my God, you're just such an overthinker. I will oh. really think about something. Or someone could say one comment and I will think about it for like a year. I will, go, yes. I will remember that exact conversation. Yes, all of that. So the exaggerated startle reflex. I would say that can be from a number of things. And in your case, it sounds like the high sensitivity. So it could be from if somebody's been through a ton of trauma, right? Where maybe there was a lot of loud noises or something happened very unexpectedly and out of the blue, you know, their body can get kind of wired to like be very jumpy and very reactive. But then just from the sounds of how you're describing it and you don't have anxiety that goes along with it, you know, we have these like finely tuned instruments. It's like, if we were literally instruments, we would be violins. We're not like drums. And so the littlest noise, the littlest touch, we're, we're responding in a bigger way than somebody who doesn't have that type of nervous system. I think that's exactly what you're describing. Yeah, it's exactly. And and I know we're probably going to go into this in a bit, but I also yeah. feel like I can easily pick up what other people oh, yes. are feeling, even if they're like, they've got a smile on their face. And then if I'm like, oh no, but how are you really? Like, are you everything okay? They're like, oh, actually. And then it'll often be, you're the only one. I'm, I'm always the agony aunt. That is, that is oh. my place in lots of my friendship groups. I find this all fascinating. Oh, this is so fun. We actually don't have that expression. Is the agony aunt like someone everybody comes and like complains to? Yeah. Well, the agony aunt, I I guess it might've come from like newspaper columns way back in the day where you write in a letter to the agony aunt and the agony aunt. Yes. And definitely like I've had to put boundaries up very recently, really with some friendship groups because of not groups, I should say just certain individuals, because I am always 
like a lot of my friends are amazing and, and not and not that, but in my life I would I would say that quite often I am the deep thinker, the one that someone comes to when their marriage is in crisis or they hate their career or whatever, and not always the person someone would be like, hey, I'm going to have like the biggest party, you have to come. Like it's and and I think that's caused some issues. God, we're like fully in therapy here, aren't we? <laughs> no, I'm laughing because I relate so completely. <laughs> yes. I kind of feel like I'm very rarely the person you'd come to for surface level yes. crap, really. For me, yeah. I, I often need to go deep with people and I find myself frustrated if they are just shooting the breeze about, you know, like I'm kind of like, oh, you know, let's go. Like, yeah, I don't even realize that I'm doing it. And then other people will say, oh, wow. <laughs> right. Wow. We really went there. I have yeah. the, exact, the exact experience, which is why I love doing therapy because as a job, I just get to go deep all day long. You know, I would rather that than small talk anytime. Yes. I want to go back to what you said about the picking up on the subtleties on others. I'm going to go to that in, in a minute. I just wanted to highlight though, the gifts in each one of these qualities, because, you know, you mentioned like overthinking, and I think that can be one of the the negative sides of the deep processing is, oh my gosh, thinking so much and feeling so much and, and, and having to navigate so many thoughts and feelings. And then the upside of that is that you're, I'm sure kick ass at what you do because all of that deep thinking gets channeled into your pursuits, right? Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I feel like Americans are better at saying they're really good at something than Australia. <laughs> I will take that. Thank you. And yeah, I do get that feedback. They're like, oh my goodness, how did you connect those things? Yes. I just yes. always think, well, that's my job. I'm doing it day in, day out. But I also think I do have an ability to look at the whole picture sometimes more than maybe other people. Sometimes, not always. I can see that just, just from what I know of you, like listening to your podcast and looking at your site and, and having spoken. I mean, it's no, not everybody can do that. And so this is part of just to, I guess, tie in one more piece. This is one way that I work with HSPs is in both helping them with some of the struggles that come inherent with being highly sensitive, but also helping them see and own these amazing gifts that come with this trait. So I'm sure we'll, we'll get into that more later about creatives and how, I mean, this is a huge, huge, huge gift. Mm. Yep. Okay. Through that lens. Yeah. It's such a good lens. It's such an empowering lens. So we've got that depth of processing. And then the next letter in the acronym is O that stands for overwhelm. So because we're taking in so much, you know, on every level, we get overwhelmed more easily than do non-HSPs, right? So if I'm, let's say in a really busy, crowded room, a lot of people, uh, well, actually great example for me are the American Thanksgiving was, was that last week, I think, or the week before? And I was at a family gathering and not only am I an introvert, so that's a piece of this puzzle, but also I take in so much. So I'm processing the noise. There are a lot of kids running around. There were all these conversations being had. People are asking me questions. I'm thinking about them. I'm noticing you know, other people's emotions. I'm having feelings. And after a few hours went by or a couple hours, I was exhausted and feeling a bit overwhelmed because my system was processing so much. 
So would you say that applies? <laughs> I would say it definitely. I think this has been something I've had to work on. I know that I can, I, well, this is a thing. Oh my goodness. How long? <laughs> I feel like it's five hours while I tell you all my issues. <laughs> I love it. So I'm good. <laughs> I think in, in one way, no, because I think I'm very good at like, I'm, I'm quite organized. I'm very disciplined in my work. I'm very organized at home. You know, I do all the finances for our house. Like, mm. but I do think that I've definitely noticed, say like in traffic, this is a big one. And I noticed it and I thought everyone does this, but then I was like, oh no, they don't. So we can have, say if I've picked up my, both of my kids and then I'm turning and and there's an intersection and my kids are talking, my son in the back is making sounds. They've got, you know, they've got their playlist on Spotify. I will always turn the volume completely down and I will always say quiet, 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 quiet. I've got to concentrate. And not if it's, you know, if it's, if I'm just turning right or something, but if I'm in an intersection or, and I do it even when I'm by myself in the car, I noticed the other day I was in the city yeah. at night and it, there's a busy intersection. I have to have everything quiet to wow. concentrate, but I wouldn't say like at a party or anything, but I, I definitely notice in that regard. And I just, I didn't even know I was doing it until I listened to you on this other podcast. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God. I just thought everyone does that. It's doesn't everyone, I didn't, I'm not even aware that I need to concentrate on it. Isn't that so interesting? That does sound like this, what I'm describing. And then am I remembering that you're an extrovert, Fiona? So I really, it really depends on the day. So I always an ENFJ or an INFJ. I'm, it depends what day I do it, really, that I get an INFJ or an ENFJ. I'm literally uh, half, half, I would say. But I would, once I heard that basically an introvert is someone who gets their energy by being by themselves and an extrovert gets it with other people, I'm 10,000% the person who needs to be by themselves. Okay. Get it. So, yeah, I'm not an, I wouldn't say I'm a, an extra. Okay. You just may be an, an introvert with a lot of capacity or like you're saying, you're kind of on the line. I've noticed the HSPs who are more extroverted or, you know, right on the line there sometimes can get overwhelmed less frequently because there's a bit more capacity. And while we're at that, a lot of people assume, oh, if you're a sensitive person, you must be an introvert, but actually 30% of HSPs are extroverts. So I wanted to throw that out there. Wow. And so how do they deal with it? Because if they're out getting other, like, do they still get overwhelmed by everyone or? Yes. Actually, Julianne, who works with me as an HSP coach is an extrovert. And so it's really interesting. We've talked about this. She can socialize and schmooze and, you know, engage like 10 times more than I can. And then eventually she will hit her max. Mm -hmm. And I think I'd have to ask her, but I believe then in certain situations, what I've heard the dilemmas are for extroverted HSPs are that there's kind of this constant push pull between the part of them that wants to go out and engage and socialize. And then the part of them that's like, Oh, I need to recharge and pull back and like manage my nervous system. And that those things are always have somewhat of a tension. Wow. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, it's just fascinating. Isn't it fascinating? Don't you just think, Oh my yes. goodness, fascinated every day. Yes. Work. Yeah. Yes. I love it. And it's one of my favorite things is talking to people who are just kind of learning about it because it's so like, oh my gosh, what? Yeah. So I will keep going with this acronym. Yes. Oh. So the E in does stands for empathy and emotional intensity. And so this goes back to what you were saying earlier. 
highly sensitive people are really good at empathizing and it's not like we have to try that hard to do it. We just can, you know, as you were saying, it can just really notice, actually this goes into the next letter. We can really notice the little, the subtle facial expressions. I'll just tie that S in right here. The S in does is sensitivity to subtlety. So we can pick up on the nuances. We pick up on, oh, this person is smiling, but their eyes look really sad. You know, we might notice that, whereas a non-HSP, that might not register for them. And so the combination of picking up on these subtleties and then just having these big hearts and naturally being able to empathize more easily can then result in this kind of empathy overload thing that I work a lot with HSPs on. And it's that feeling of being almost a human sponge, like, oh my gosh, if I don't have boundaries, I just walk through the world being aware of what everybody's feeling. And for some people, it's even like I soak it up and then I feel it as my own. And so that empathy can become really tricky and overwhelming in and of itself and very painful. Wow. Okay. (laughs) I just like laughing because I'm just like, oh yes. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So with empathy, it's funny that word because, oh, sorry, I'm just jumping in here. Oh no, I'd love it. Go ahead. When I started my business and kind of every couple of years, I send a questionnaire out to about 20 people. Some I've worked with, some have been clients, some are friends, very few are friends on that list. I mean, they're friends, but you know, I don't, it's not all to my friends. And I will ask them for three things that I do really well. And one thing that I don't do so well. And then I have a list of words and some of the words in there I want to be known for and some I don't want to be known for. And every time I have done it, I would say 90%, even from all sorts of walks of life, people have said empathy is your number one word. Oh, I'm like, oh, they're like, you're very, you're very quick to put yourself in other people's shoes, which, you know, goes with marketing and brand and everything that I've worked on my career. But yeah, sometimes it can be too much where like we used to volunteer at a homeless shelter and, you know, sometimes you talk to people and then you'd, I'd almost imagine my life as that for ages, which, which can, you know, be really good and causes you to do even more work, good work in your life. But yeah, I definitely think sometimes even like my partner has said, Fiona, just let it go. (laughs) Like, or, you know, stop trying to help that person fix things or stop help, you know, just take a, take a minute back to yourself. Yeah. Like you were just implying, I mean, it, once again, has such upsides and downsides. The upside is, oh my gosh, doesn't this world need more empathy, right? If everybody could dial up their empathy a little bit, wouldn't, wouldn't, that would be such a good thing. And then the downside that a lot of HSPs struggle with, I certainly did and still sometimes can is, oh my gosh, when I am aware of suffering and there is a lot of suffering in the world right now, you know, what do I do with that? How do I not carry it around because it's second nature to just be aware of it and kind of be able to put yourself like, like you were saying, really imagine it to the degree of like, here's what that would feel like if I literally was in their life. And that can be excruciating. It can be immobilizing, you know, it can, it can make it really hard for people to live. Mm. So it's a tricky one. Yeah. And I remember talking to a kinesiologist And also to some members of my family who are in the health space because they're dealing with this all day long. And with the pandemic, you know, some of my clients really, we were talking about things that 
that are much more in the mental health space. And of course, I was, you know, always saying you need to see a psychologist or let's talk about mental health. You need to get, go talk to your GP. That is not my area. But I do remember talking to a kinesiologist and she said, you've got to imagine you're driving a Vespa or like a, you know, a scooter <gasps> and you've got like a big clear windshield ahead of you. So you can see and you can help, but she's like, but at some point it hits the windshield. It doesn't hit you and soak into you taking on everybody else's problems. And I remember talking to a friend who's a, who's a GP and sort of saying, how do you, how do you deal with people you know, talking to you every single day with, with problems? And they were saying, you know, I've really had to develop a, yes, I can help you to this point, but you don't come into this space of mine. This is my personal space and I can't, mm. have, I can't soak in everything. Yeah, that's been, I had to learn that even though I didn't have words for it, I intuitively had to learn that as a therapist really quick because yeah, you can't, you, if you're just taking on everybody's stuff, it, you know, you'd be done after a month, you'd have to retire. Ooh. You can you'd burn out. And I actually, I love that metaphor and the Vespa. When you first said Vespa, I even liked that it was like a scooter because it's not a car. You know, I feel like some of us (laughs) who are really empathetic, like are driving around this like 16 person van and are just like, (laughs) Oh, I, you know, why don't you pile in? I'll carry you around for a while. (laughs) It's like, that doesn't work either. (laughs) Oh, the best, but you can just have you, you can just have only me, (laughs) (laughs) only room for my backpack and my problems. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. And then the S sensitivity to subtlety. Sensitive to subtlety. Yeah. How does that show up? Well, the, the example I always give is that at one point in my, when I was seeing people in person, I changed the blinds in my office from off white to white. And it was my highly sensitive clients who came in and first thing said, Oh, did you change your blinds? You know, and, and most people didn't notice that. And I would think that so many creatives people in your space and in like all, all the creative spaces, I'm sure that applies, right? Like with branding with colors, with all the things that I don't even have words for because it's not my realm, but you need to notice that subtlety, right? You're not just like, oh, this blue is fine. It's like, well, no, what is the specific blue that's going to capture what we're trying to go out here? So it, it, it can be applied a million different ways, but it's noticing those subtleties that other people just miss. Does that make sense? Yes, that, that completely makes sense. Actually, I was just having a conversation with my eight-year-old son the other day about brand oh. colors, and I was showing him Pinterest boards that I was doing for a client. And he was like, but why those colors? And I was like, well, how does yellow make you feel? Like, does that, why does that make you feel? And we were having this whole conversation. So I'd love that you, you talked about this. And so the does, if you tick all of them, or, you know, if there's people listening, playing at home and they're like, yes, that's me. I'm imagining that like any other kind of, is it, this is a personality trait. Is that right? That's right. That's what, yes. There's a spectrum, I would imagine, of are you super HSP and then minimal HSP? How does that sort of work? Yeah, that's that's great. A spectrum and a trait both fit. So what research has shown, the more research that comes out is that sensitivity is on a spectrum of low, medium, and high sensitivity. And so someone applied flowers to this. I believe the low sensitivity people are almost like daisy. Like it's the equivalent of a daisy, like a very hardy plant. It can grow almost anywhere. You know, Mm. I don't know about there, but like daisies here, you know, you can see them growing like in the sidewalk, you know, they're, 
they're super hardy and they can kind of survive under all kinds of settings, like bad, good, they're fine. Then there's medium sensitivity. And this is more like the daffodils, like they are impacted by their environment and they do need maybe a certain type of light and a certain type, you know, amount of water, but they're not impacted to the degree that they would wilt and die, you know, super easily. Mm -hmm. So an example of this is my husband. And so he's medium sensitive. If he takes this self-test and you can go to hsperson.com and there's a button somewhere on there that says self-test, but I can get you the, the more specific link. If you take that test, I believe you answer these like 24 questions. And if you score, I think 14 of them or more, you are considered an HSP. So my husband, I believe scored like 13. Oh, right. Right. So he's right on the cusp. He's not that daisy. Like he really is impacted by things, Mm -hmm. but not to that degree. He doesn't quite have this trait. Whereas the people who are highly sensitive and then even amongst us high sensitives, there's a range of more or less highly sensitive, but we are the orchids. Right. We need, yeah, very specific, not setting, but very specific circumstances. Like the way they grow, like it's very complex kind of. Yeah. Like as far as I know, they need a certain specific type of light and this amount of water. And if you give them the type of, you know, water and sun and care that they need, they will flourish and be these stunning flowers. And if you are not giving them the care that they need, they will die. Yes, they die so quickly, orchids. I have like killed so many of them. <laughs> and actually, it's it's a perfect metaphor for HSPs. This is actually really important for people to hear because people might hear this and be like, oh gosh, this sounds kind of awful and hard to be this way. Well, when HSPs are in settings or in families or workplaces or communities that are not conducive to our growth. They're unkind or unsupportive or we're lonely or they're abusive. We will wilt, you know, very, very easily. And we're much more impacted by those negative environments than our non-HSPs. But here's our superpower. When we are in environments where we're being fed and watered and we're getting the sun we need, like we're, we're around supportive people and it's a safe, it's safe to be ourselves we actually are impacted much more positively than non-HSPs are when they're in a positive environment. So it's kind of our superpower that we will then thrive. Wow. I'd say what? (laughs) That's amazing. Like this is all just mind blowing. And I know even though I've heard some of it before, I'm like, oh my God, you just, you're, I just know so many people listening to this, like, oh my goodness. (laughs) My whole life is going to change. And so how do you cope or deal, I guess, with people who may be listening to this and maybe are not, don't resonate with some of it and think, oh, well, gosh, you guys are all just little tinkerbells that need, you know, special, like special attention and everyone has to be kind to you all the time. Like, how do you talk to that? Well, it's a really interesting thing because I think when somebody has that reaction, I usually get curious of like, what's underneath that? Like, have you had somebody in your life who has, you know, who you have negative feelings about, maybe you felt like they have 
used their feelings or something about their personality as an excuse to behave badly. It, it just makes me very curious. Or I find for some people who have that type of reaction of like kind of disdain, right? Of like, oh, God, get over yourselves. Oh, you're a little snowflake. Yes, yes. That's what I meant, not a Tinkerbell. I assumed. I also, at least in, in, in American culture, you'll often find a person who has been very alienated from their own emotions, you know, who's been kind of taught that emotions are weak and are stupid and are silly and are embarrassing. And they've kind of usually reject those, rejected those in themselves, have kind of this tough guy mentality of like, get over it. You know, we don't need to give any space or time to those dumb feelings. So when somebody has judgment of this trait, especially when I've explained like, hey, this is something built in, just like your eye color and they still judge it, I just kind of think, huh, I wonder what that person's relationship is to their vulnerability. Because we all, non-HSPs as well, have vulnerability, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And so I find this fascinating because even just the, the way people feel about things, and, and I'd love to talk about this, about the business, because so in my coaching with people, we, and even in my book and everything else, I always say, if people want to make a decision or they're thinking about something, I'll be like, let's look at the data and let's look at your gut. Like, because even though I've come from a company, you know, companies like Amazon and Audible and other big companies where all we looked at was statistics, constantly looking at the data, the data, the data, and the data was the decision maker a lot of the time. And I feel like it needs to be the data and your gut because sometimes we will just know. We will just have this intuition about, I've had two not great clients in six years and both times I know exactly where I was on the phone to them when I took the, you know, when I said, yep, we can Mm -hmm. work together. And I wish I hadn't, and something in my gut was like, do not go forward with this. And yet I did and and it wasn't a great experience. And so how do you think that people in business and particularly creatives, because that's a, a huge amount of people that listening to this will be like interior designers or furniture makers, photographers, graphic designers, brand strategists, that sort of world. How mm. can they lean into this and sort of embrace it as a good thing when, especially now with like data, they're sort of being shown, oh, don't, don't trust your feelings so much. Does that make sense? As a oh, a thousand percent. Well, I have a bunch of things to say about that. And, and I'm just so excited to get to speak to all the, you know, sensitive, creative business owners listening, because this is so important. And and this has been something that's taken me such a long time to figure out about myself. So I hope I can save someone some time. So first of all, what you just said about intuition, that is one of the biggest gifts, in my opinion, of being highly sensitive. You know, that's why I named my company intuitive warrior. It's a defining feature. And I think it's like when you add deep processing plus empathy, plus noticing subtlety, you get intuition, you know, mm-hmm. and, and this fine, like real attunement to your body and the set, the feeling in your body of your gut going, no. So for one, I just, I can't agree with you enough. There's such importance in intuition. And if you're a business owner who's highly sensitive, your intuition, I think is one of your biggest gifts. And so 
don't throw that aside. Don't just listen to the data. Always find a way to, at least within yourself, allow yourself to let your intuition weigh in. It's crucial. It's crucial. You know, for me as well, it's like, I love that you say data plus gut. I I wholeheartedly agree with that in my own experience. So I would say that that's one, you know, a thing that has taken me a while, I'm still figuring this one out, is my capacity. My capacity as a highly sensitive person and on the sensitivity scale, I think I scored like 23 or 24 out of 24. So I'm, you know, really high on the high, high end. And I've found that it really impacts my capacity as far as life and work. You know, I can't see the number of clients a week that many non-HSP therapists can the progression of my business has been much slower than I often wish it was because my capacity, I hit my capacity more quickly. So just as an example, like I have, I've wanted to write a book for years and I have basically an outline in my head and I've wanted to start a podcast for a couple of years, but I, I've just really needed to take it one step at a time because my nervous system and my brain work in a way that I just have to really pace myself and I have to do it in a way that is sustainable. And so that would be one thing for HSP business owners to look at is where might you be pushing yourself past your capacity because you think you should, because that's what other business owners do. That's, you know, oh, isn't this what hard work looks like? Uh, I'm sure with, with your consulting, Fiona, you must do you see this sometime, this tendency of people to push past their limits? All the time, all the time. <laughs> or thinking that the only way to do something is to work seven days a week or I've got to go oh at that time or I've got to, you know, it's it's seen as, especially in the early years, I feel like people are like, well, that's just that's just the reality. I've got to, you know, be up till 2 a.m. <sighs> for three years. And I'm like, you don't, <laughs> like you really <laughs> I mean, definitely I'm all, you know, there are definitely times when you're going to have to work hard, but I'm so, I'm so much of the anti-hustle mindset. I can't stand the idea of grind, grind, grind. And I just think it's Mm. a recipe for disaster for most people in the world, whether you're HSP or not. I think you're right. You're absolutely right. And Glennon Doyle, the author says that HSPs are the canaries in the coal mine. So, Mm. you know, we, we're chirping out when we, we pick up danger essentially, or we manifest consequences more quickly than non-HSPs. So you're right. This hustle grind culture is unhealthy for everybody, but oftentimes the HSPs are going to hit burnout more quickly. And we're kind of like the cautionary tale to everyone else. And if you find a lot of the people who are doing work and like burnout coaches or health coaching or consulting or coaching, it's the HSPs who are here going, Hey, you have to listen to your body. You have to find what's sustainable to you because we have hit those walls and we've learned the hard way. Yes. Yes. And I think also if you're sensitive to yourself as well, like I know if I get antsy, that means I have too much on my plate. Like if I, I can feel it. Yeah. I can feel it. And I'm like, something is wrong. And then I'll usually look at my calendar and I'll usually say to my assistant, can you please take this and this and this off? Because I need some spaciousness. Otherwise I'm not going to be able to do the best job that I can do for other people or for myself as well, or my family or all the the other roles that I have outside of my business. 
I actually would say that people listening can take that as a tip, figure out what your body feels like when it's overstimulated or overwhelmed and start using that as your gauge. Because what I would do, I have such capacity, probably because I'm a trauma survivor. So I had to learn how to compartmentalize and push through. And so I have this crazy capacity to push past what my body would like me to do. And if I ask my head, Hey, can I do more? Um, Is this okay? My brain is always going to be like, Oh yeah, you've got, you know, another hour in you. But if I, what my body feels like when I'm overwhelmed, then I can just go to my gut. How does my body feel? Oh, it feels really like jittery and tense and exhausted. Oh, okay. Well, there's my answer. It's time to stop. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes, yes, yes. I think we just don't listen to, especially in Western culture, we just don't listen to our bodies enough. Whereas, you know, in so many other cultures, they've had thousands of years of like, you know, what does this feel like? And I always remember years ago, I listened to this Dharma talk. I can't remember who the guest was, the, the person talking was, but it was a monk and he of some description. And he was saying, you should sit down with yourself once a day and say, how are you? And then you answer. So say if I say, how are you? Well, I'm feeling busy. How are you? And you just keep going, well, I'm actually feeling angry. Well, how are you? I'm actually feeling, you know, stressed and tired. And and so you get right to the core of how you are rather than how are you? Oh, I'm just a bit busy. That would be your initial answer. And you just keep going and keep going and keep going until you physically feel how are you. That's beautiful. I yeah. love that. And you get to some you get to something that's so, so much more deep and honest. Yeah. That then you can listen to. Yes, because it might have been something completely different to I was just talking to a client actually earlier this week or last week, and she was saying, you know, she was saying she was really stressed about her particular staff member. And then when we were uncovering it a bit more, she actually got really upset and was saying, I find this time of year really hard because she um she has lost a child and it's Christmas. And and I was like, look at me now, I'm so sensitive, I feel like I'm gonna start crying even retelling it. But I just was like, Wow. So, and it actually realized, you know, the problem is not your staff at all. The problem right now is that all this other stuff is going on in your life. All these other reminders, you know, are you taking enough time to deal with that rather than, you know, because you can, you can see on the surface level, oh, it's my staff. They're not doing their job, Mm. but it's actually all this other hurt that is underneath. Absolutely. And you're touching into another gift sensitive business owners can, can capitalize on, which is we do really well with self-reflection. It goes back to that. Like we do well when we're in a good environment. So HSPs tend to do really well with coaching and with therapy. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, how much further are you going to get in your business when you have the insight you help this person get of, oh my goodness, when I'm just mad at my staff, actually there's so much more underneath that. That person's going to be a more effective leader. Because they're not just projecting crap onto their staff. They're able to self-reflect and then lead from this more honest place. And so I would say that's really something that sensitive business owners can do is invest in your personal work, whether that's business coaching or mental health coaching, that will pay out. That will help your business because you're going to be able to internalize that insight at a level that many HSPs, many non-HSPs are not able to. Mm, oh my goodness. Yes. yes. <laughs> so another thing I wanted to ask, and this comes up a lot with people, regardless of how 
big and successful and all the things they seem to be externally at least is comparison. And so I work a lot with like I, I work basically with brand marketing mindset systems and kind of, you know, money and, and financial structures and stuff. But with the mindset, if you are a highly sensitive person and you're working in creative business, I am often hearing from people saying, you know, say for instance, they want to create a new collection or they want to do a collaboration or they want to, you know, get this product to market and they'll say, oh, but I'm so annoyed. I just saw that XYZ has done something similar. And there's this real comparison and I guess because they're taking in all this kind of stimulus or stimuli as well I'm just wondering if someone's listening and they sort of identify as HSP do you have any any tips of things they should be aware of when it comes to running a business such as comparison or how can they quash these negative feelings or anything else that might come up because they're so sensitive Wow. I love that question. Well, first of all, add me to that list because I totally struggle with that as well. And that kind of goes back to, you know, this journey to accept myself as here's how I show up. Here's my pace. And also to your point of like these human things that everyone struggles with. I think everyone struggles with comparison. I I, I believe. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, if you're sensitive, I mean, the main thing that comes to mind is making space for you to actually have your feelings in your life and in your, including your business. And I am totally speaking to myself right now as well. How many of us are taught in Western cultures, you put aside, you know, business isn't personal. You need to put aside your emotion. You need to be quote unquote professional. You need to show up and like your, your emotions and your personal life should not get in the way of anything. And maybe that works for some people, but for most HSPs who are deep feeling and deep thinking beings, it's not often realistic for us to compartmentalize ourselves to that degree, that we just set aside our humanity when we go to work. So just comparison being one of those things, if you're having a day where you are comparing yourself And it's really impacting you. You know, if it's just a little comparison and you can kind of put it aside for now, great. But let's just say it's really got you down. The thing I would recommend is take five or 10 minutes to go journal about it or go talk to a friend about it rather than just trying to squish it and say like, come on, move on. You're fine because that it doesn't work. Like at a mental neurological level, you can't just say, stop thinking about it. So taking five, 10 minutes to very kindly say, Brooke, okay, let's write about what's happening. What am I feeling? What am I thinking? Well, I feel like such a loser because I see them doing this and I think I should have thought of that first. And now everybody's going to go follow them and they're going to stop caring about me. And, you know, it might sound very childish or very silly, but we still just need to give ourselves space to have that. And I found when I give myself that space to talk it out or write it out, quite often it kind of breaks the spell. I might not be totally fine, but it it kind of, you know, I'm like, okay, all right. I see that. Wow. That's a younger part of me that's just feeling insecure right now, you know, and wow, why don't I make myself a good lunch today? Or let me make sure to reach out to that friend tonight and just give myself some support. I'm going to take a bath and watch a show I love just to 
you know, kind of take care of myself. Mm. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Years ago, I was, we were trying to get pregnant again and it was taking a long time and I, I worked with a health coach and I remember Jolinda Johnson and she she specialises in that kind of area. Now she specialises in perimenopause. And anyway, but she had said to me throughout the day, you know, you're going through a tough thing. Like we ended up doing IVF and she said throughout the day, just give yourself a hug. Like when you're making a cup of tea, give yourself a hug because the body, which I don't know if this is real or not. I just said, I think it is, but she was like, the body doesn't know if it's being hugged by a real someone else or yourself. And so she's like, give yourself these kind of self-compassion breaks because sort of, you know, as you would a child and be like, everything's okay. Everything's going to work out, you know, all that stuff. Yes. I've heard that as well. And (laughs) I assume it's true as well. You know, it's really interesting because again, at at least in American culture, there's this ethos of, you know, if you give yourself a hug, let's say you're just almost like coddling yourself or enabling yourself and come on that's 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 just yeah almost like making yourself into a baby or something about tough love and research like total legit research shows that does not help us it doesn't help us on any level to be really harsh with ourselves so interestingly it's like being that orchid and watering ourselves well and giving ourselves sun giving ourselves that hug is actually just going to make us more able to have a thriving business and more effective as a business owner. Mm-hmm. And can I ask you a random question that totally. you may be able to answer? You might be like, this is how long is a piece of string? But are highly sensitive people, like I know you've said they, they're great at therapy and coaching. And would you say that, do they make good business owners or, or you know, is there is there a reason that maybe they shouldn't go in like if they if say they want to create an e-commerce store that's product based and not serving necessarily you know face to face with anyone is it still a good idea yes oh my gosh hsps make amazing business owners and you know we're all as much as we share this trait we're all different so there are hsps in every realm in every realm of work so many as you mentioned the the types of business owners who listen to your podcast, so many creatives are sensitive. And actually this person who wrote this seminal book and she coined the trait, psychologist Elaine Aaron, she actually said she thinks HSPs do especially well working for ourselves because, you know, oh my gosh, there's so many reasons. Having that autonomy, being able to work the way that we do, which tends to not necessarily mesh with like the typical corporate environment, having space for our creativity, getting to make decisions without checking in with a million people, the freedom of it. There's so many ways that it's actually a great, great fit for HSPs. Oh, okay. Thank you. (laughs) What if people are listening to this and going, oh my goodness. And so tell us about like in your business, because obviously you help so many people in all sorts of ways. But I'm wondering outside of Melissa, because obviously I know you've worked with her because I worked with you then as well. But I mean, I was part of that. I'm wondering, have you had any mentors or coaches or books that have helped? I know you mentioned the highly sensitive person book, then we'll link to that in the show notes. But yeah, what has helped you build your businesses? Because it sounds like you've done a lot of you know self-education as well, but what has helped you with building your business and getting to where you are today? You know, Fiona, it's funny. I was thinking about this and 
I would say that the number one thing that has helped me build my business is a lot of good therapy, like me getting therapy because, and I'm not sure this is true for everybody, but I know when I started particularly building my online business and it requiring me to get out of my comfort zone in so many ways, put myself out there, learn, there was so much vulnerability that actually triggered a lot of my old wounds. I think the number one thing was doing therapy that helped me move past that because me, like I'm, I'm sure all of your listeners, I'm a competent person. And the main thing that was getting in the way was this fear and this self doubt and this like feeling of immobilization and freeze. So I really think that like 80% of getting to where I am today has been working through the emotional stuff that has come up. Mm, I love that. Yeah. (laughs) And then, and then as far as the actual logistics of it, I mean, I started that my, I I took Marie Forleo's B school. That was my first type of coaching type program. So that's where I learned, you know, the basics and then Melissa, I was in a part of her mastermind for a year. So I did a ton, a ton, a ton of growing through that. I've had an amazing Sarah Williams, who is actually in our mastermind. She has the business rebel office, cannot Mm -hmm. recommend it highly enough. So she worked with me as a sort of strategist and integrator. And so I've just learned so much through working with her. Those kind of stand out. You know, I, I don't know if I would say I have a ton of business. I've picked up a lot of books, but more of the coaching has really stood out to me. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you're so transparent with that. I think America in general, from what I've seen, is a lot more open about seeking therapy and seeking psychological mm-hmm. help than Australia. We still have a huge stigma around admitting that you see a psychologist or admitting that you have ever seen a psychologist. But yeah, I completely agree. I saw a psychologist when my mum passed away and initially as a grief psychologist, but my gosh, she just helped me uncover so many things. And I I really do think I second what you say that a lot of it is your own, the stuff that is going on in your head, not what anyone else is saying or any of your clients or customers are doing. Yes, it's it's really true. And, And most of the people that I've met in these other business type containers, usually there's this huge psychological component, you know, that they have to address. So yeah. Yeah, completely. Even in my book, I remember saying, when you have a business, you are both the psychologist and the person getting therapy at the same time because you're constantly asking yourself, like, why do I think that? Oh, Fiona, why do you think that? Well, it may have come from here, but it might, you know, like you're constantly trying to just small things. Even when you find yourself not wanting to send an email, it's like, well, why don't I want to send that email? What's coming up for me? And you just have to do so much exploration that you don't necessarily have to do in an employed role when you're working for somebody else and the detachment from what you're doing. I agree. It's pretty, it's intense. It's no joke to, you know, to be an entrepreneur. Completely. By the way, I just ordered your book and I'm so excited to get it. Thank you so much. What about any tech tools on the like very practical side? Do you use any tech tools, especially when you're coaching or I know you've got your courses? Yeah. I mean, as far as on the back end, I use the typical ones, Asana, although we're probably going to switch off of that, Slack, For our programs, we are on Mighty Networks, and I've really, really enjoyed it. 
I was on Thinkific before that. The thing I love about Mighty Networks is really it's the community element is the central piece. And so particularly for my business, I find that community among sensitive people is so important. So it, it just has a really beautiful dashboard and client experience. Oh, amazing. And can I ask why you're coming off Asana? I feel like I'm coming to peace with it more maybe in the last six months, but it had quite a steep, not a learning curve, but I just found for quite a while that it would overwhelm me and that I would, I was having to make lists like off of Asana to kind of, I still do that to be honest, to kind of order my tasks and everything because the way that it held them for me didn't, it wasn't enough. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yes. Yes. That completely makes sense. And I guess, what have you found the hardest? I know you've talked about a few things, but what would you say has been the hardest part of running your business? I think two things, going back one to that, honoring my pace without comparing myself and, you know, really accepting, yeah, accepting my pace that like, yes, I wish these 55 things were already done. And I think because I've got such an active mind, I have so many ideas, like so many visionaries, you know, I just have so many ideas and I can get really frustrated when I can't implement them as quickly as I'd like. So I think that's been really challenging. And then also coming from the therapy world, when I went to school to become a therapist, there was zero business training. I think we had a three hour like workshop about like owning your own business, but there was almost nothing. And so My learning curve has been so huge and there's so many aspects of business running that are just, they're not my gifts. So that's been tough to kind of, it's easy to be doing therapy and just be like, Ooh, I love this. And it feels really natural. But then all the other elements of the business, it's been very humbling and it's been a huge learning curve to be like, okay, I need to get help in this area. Mm, Oh my goodness. And it takes so much courage to say I need help. I can't do it all by myself. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. But it feels amazing when you get the right fit and you're like, wow, I don't have to think about that anymore. It's all just being taken care of. Oh, it's such a relief. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So much. Then on the flip side, what are you most proud of? I love asking people this question. That's a lovely question. Yeah. What are you most proud of when it comes to like your journey and your business? It's really the emotional stuff for me, you know. I've, I've just had to overcome so much to be a functioning, thriving person, uh, just kind of in general, and then including with my business. And there were so many points where my fear wanted me to give up and would tell me all kinds of things like nobody, you know, you just lies, like, you, you no one cares, all this fear based stuff. And so I just feel really proud that I kept going and that I've maintained the heart of my business, you know, that I, I try to practice continuing to come back to why am I doing this? Who am I serving? What's the point? And yeah, I, I feel proud that I haven't lost that. Oh, you haven't lost that at all. I feel like you're oh. <laughs> so heart centered and so the, the heart is so evident in everything that you do. So I, yeah. Oh, thank you. And on that note, if people are listening to this and they're thinking, oh my goodness, I want to work with her. I, I need to like have Brooke in my life, <laughs> which I'm sure a lot of people will be listening to this thinking my mind has been blown. Wow. Wow. How do they do that? What sort of work do you do outside of, you know, direct 
psychological therapy and yeah where can people find out where's the best place to connect with you so the best place to find me is on our site intuitivewarriorway.com and we have a bunch of ways that you can work with us that we can support you we've got a lot of free resources on there i think really helpful resources as the feedback i've been given so if you go to intuitivewarriorway.com forward slash resources we've got a few on there for you I do coaching. I have very limited spots available at this point. I have a couple coaches who work under me who are amazing and they do have availability. And then we have a number of programs to just support you that are group programs because I found for HSPs, we need that connection and kind of a handhold to walk through some of this really tough stuff. So Both of my online programs have a community component with every other week calls and support. So yeah, that's kind of the range of of support that we offer. Oh, amazing. And we will link to all of those great resources and your website and everything else on here, as well as the HS person test. I'm going to Google that and do that after this call. (laughs) Awesome. Oh, and I forgot to mention, I am also, we are also on Instagram at at Intuitive Warrior Way. Okay, awesome. I'm going to put all of those or make sure all of those are in the show notes, but it has just been such a delight chatting to you and I could just stay here for hours and hours, but I should let you go and go to sleep. Oh, same Fiona. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. Take care. Bye. Oh, (laughs) I could just talk to Brooke all day. I am fascinated by this. I'm fascinated in general by psychology. I often joke around saying, you know, after this business coaching stuff is done, I'm becoming a psychologist and that is what I'll do until my dying day. I am in love with places, you know, people like Esther Perel, definitely watch couples therapy on SBS read so many books in that space. But so it was just my absolute, absolute pleasure to have somebody like Brooke with her incredible knowledge and expertise on today's podcast. I would love to know what you took away from this. I would love to know if you would consider yourself a HSP, where you sit on the kind of spectrum. I know she put in the kind of sensitivity test and we'll link to that in the show notes. But I would love, love, love to know what you thought of today's podcast because it was a little different to many of my usual small business guests. And I just, yeah, I'm fascinated. Would love to know if you are too. So please feel free to send me a DM. I'm at my daily business coach on Instagram. And also you can connect with Brooke over on Instagram at intuitive warrior way, all one word. And of course, if you have been listening to this thinking, oh my goodness, I need to connect with her and work with her and maybe be part of a group coaching program or the other sort of offers that Brooke has, you can find out more at intuitivewarriorway.com. But yes, so many things stood out for me, so many notes I've written, (laughs) but two that really stand out for me when it comes to small business as well is one that Brooke touched on many times in this interview, which is to really listen to your body as well. I know I have talked to clients and I've talked about it on this podcast, the idea of, you know, data and gut when it comes to making decisions. Yes, look at the analytics, but also look at your gut, like how are you feeling? I really do believe that our body has so much intelligence to tell us. I mean, we can feel it. We can, we can sense danger. We can sense people's mood. 
physically without even talking to somebody. And so, yeah, I love that she talked about, you know, look at physically how you're reacting to things. So even if you're having a conversation with a staff member, like what is happening to you physically, watch them physically. I remember years ago having a conversation with somebody and she said to me, you can lower your shoulders. And I said, what? And she's like, do you realize how tense you are? Your shoulders, your your shoulders are right up next to your ears. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I had never noticed. And she was like, yeah, just relax your shoulders. And so even just that, I remember just thinking, wow, like your body is giving off this information all the time. And, and if we can get in touch with that, it's it's such a huge thing in life, but especially in business as well as small business owners to be able to kind of check in with yourself and sort of think, how am I feeling right now? You know, physically as well as emotionally. So I love, love, love that Brooke talked about that. The other thing that I love that Brooke talked about is that this isn't a bad, you know, in inverted commas, kind of negative thing to be sensitive. I love that she talked about that if people are one, kind of aware that this is a part of them, and two, if they're nurtured in the right way and not in this, you're a beautiful snowflake, we have to be, you know, so careful with everything we say, but in a really positive way and in seeing that, my goodness, these people bring so much to the table and have such incredible ability to read situations, to read people, to really see the whole picture, then, you know, everyone wins really. So I love that point. I think that is true about any kind of personality trait. I mean, maybe not some of the like psychopathic ones, (laughs) but, you know, I really think that the more we can uncover about ourselves, the more we are better people just in general in the community and better business owners. So yes, absolutely loved those points and so many more that Brooke made. So again, if you have listened to this and you want to find out more about how you could work with Brooke, you can find that out at intuitivewarriorway.com. You can also find a bunch of free tools there. And of course, we'll link to the sensitivity test that Brooke mentioned on this call. So you can find all of that on the show notes, which are available at mydailybusinesscoach.com forward slash podcast forward slash 170. This is episode 170. If you enjoyed this episode, and I just know that so many people will, I know there'll be light bulb moments going off here, there and everywhere. Please, please share it with a friend, especially if you think that maybe they are highly sensitive And, you know, maybe you've even had a conversation with them around this and you think that this might be super duper helpful for them. Just share it. And if you would like to share it on social media, please make sure you tag at My Daily Business Coach and Brooke at Intuitive Warrior Way so that we don't miss it. So thank you so much for listening. And just a reminder that if you are interested in group coaching, we will be closing the doors really soon. So you can find all the information over at mydailybusinesscoach.com forward slash group coaching. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the My Daily Business Coach podcast. If you want to get in touch, you can do that at mydailybusinesscoach.com or hit me up on Instagram at mydailybusinesscoach.com.